Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Hey, thank you, Scott, and welcome aboard, everyone. This is the Must Read Alaska show coming to you from somewhere in Alaska, where it's kind of happy hour, unless you are in the Matsu Valley, where it's been blowing all weekend and you are out without power, if you are one of the unfortunate ones out there. Uh, really thinking about everybody in the Matsu. Uh, breaking news here, the, the governor has just declared a disaster in the Matsu, as well as in some other areas that have been uh, affected by this really severe winter weather that we've had. And that includes Delta Junction, um, Delta, Delta Greeley area. And you all know that the, uh, the Delta grocery store lost its roof. It, it collapsed a couple of days ago. That is the only grocery store in Delta Junction. And uh, as well as Copper River, Fairbanks, North Star Borough, including Nana, they've had a huge ice storm, windstorm, snowstorms up there. Denali Borough Road has been impassable, tons of snow. And then, of course, now in the Matanuska Valley, um, where, where people have lost their roofs, their power's out, their, their pipes are frozen. And, uh, you know, we had a couple of buildings that have collapsed and planes that have been tipped over. We've got at least, you know, 20,000 people who have been without power out there. So we're really keeping them in our prayers. So on our show today, we've got our co-host, John Quick from, uh, from Nikiski and Scott Levesque, our producer. I love working with you guys. And it's just a great team here at Mustard Alaska. And you guys are doing great work. But John, tell me how everything's going in Nikiski. Well, Suzanne, thanks so much. John Quick here, uh, live on location from Nikiski. We have had some weather just like everybody else in Alaska. And uh, we've, you know, folks in Nikiski and around the Kenai Peninsula are kind of got that homesteader spirit. So we just kind of press through and, and you know, turn on a generator and turn on some candles and light a fire in our stove and call it good. So we've been doing pretty well here. But one of the things that I'm excited about today is we have Senate President, Senator Peter Machicki uh, with us today for the show. And I'm very excited about that. He's uh, my Senator here on the Kenai Peninsula. And uh, Senator, welcome to the Mustard Alaska Show. Thank you very much for having me on today. I appreciate that. Um, we, uh, I just got to say, and, and John, you talked about it a little bit, the uh, weather issue uh, wasn't isolated to the valley, although it seems like it was a lot more extreme there. Um, I have a couple of trees down. I've got one widow maker in, uh, in the yard that I need to take care of before I head off to Juneau. It's a dangerous leaner, probably a 95 footer. And uh, we had a lot of power outages, but I think you're you're right on uh, Alaskans kind of pulling together and handling just about everything that comes our way. But not sure we needed the uh, 80 mile an hour gusts, and hopefully we we've seen the end of that. Of course, you know a lot of friends stuck between here and California on uh, flights. I my understanding is they're well over 100 mile an hour headwinds that were very gusty, which uh, delayed a lot of the flights back. So people are trying to get home from the holidays. Some folks never made it out for the holidays and it's been pretty rough. So prayers to everybody that's kind of struggling with recovery. Yeah, amen to that. So 
How was your holiday season, Senator? Uh, did you do anything fun with the family? Did you lay low and stick around here? What uh, What were your plans for the holiday season? I really did. Home is uh, the place for Christmas. And uh, we went down to see mom for Thanksgiving because she won't come back for the winter anymore. She's 91 and decided that's for younger people. But um, we, uh, we had a great holiday. I kind of shut off the phones other than unless there was an emergency. And we spent a lot of time snow machining and sledding and weather was perfect kind of a winter wonderland through christmas when two, two two days later it was very wet and icy and and uh you know what the weather looked like after that we had you know 40 degree weather but uh, pretty perfect through the holidays just a delightful time lots of family here and uh you know we celebrated the birth of our lord in peace and uh tried to stay off the phones as much as possible so it was pretty delightful same thing with new year's we we shut off a lot of fire fireworks uh mostly legally and uh <laughs> had a pretty good time out on a buddy's lake uh no complaints from the neighbors mostly because we make sure to invite all of them but uh just a good time that's awesome so uh you're probably headed off to juno uh here pretty quickly um when do you head off to Juno, and what are some of your major goals that you're hoping to accomplish this year um, for this session? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm uh, heading off. There's a couple of events around the 12th in Anchorage uh, where I'm speaking or on a panel, and then I'll head off immediately after that. I like to get there early and greet folks as they show up and kind of talk to the individual senators in our majority and uh, the minority about some of their goals and objectives for the year but i think it's pretty clear where our priority needs to be and that is um, a fiscal plan that solves the ad hoc pfd thing that most of our folks are dissatisfied with i think um, we need to put our heads together and take those different groups of people and turn it into groups of 11 and 21 and and uh, support the governor's plan majority of the governor's plan that I think can get us to a 50-50 PFD. We have factions, um, not just in the majority, but in the minority as well. I mean, there's nothing that creates stranger bedfellows than the PFD issue, but we've been fighting pretty hard to get to a 50-50 and get it across the finish line. The different groups are the ones that are going to have to show a little bit of flexibility, whether there's revenue or we're able to land the cuts that we need or um, we take a chance on this current uptick of revenue, which looks pretty good right now. We're in a lot better shape than we were last year. And I hope that brings people together to a solution. I hope it doesn't cause them to kick the can further down the road and feel like we've got uh, a little bit of a buy because the price of oil is up and production's doing very well. Well, I think that, uh, you know, I think folks would be excited if we could uh, potentially land the plane with with the governor's plan. I think there's a lot of folks, no matter what plan somebody picks and chooses, you're going to have folks that are for or against it. And I think, uh, just as you said, kicking the can down the road is probably not the best idea. We could come up with some solutions uh, this year, which would be awesome. So um, I look forward to that. You know, one of the things I think is important for our listeners and our readers is access to um, the Capitol during meetings, even though a lot of them don't live in Juneau and maybe can't go to the meetings, just the idea of having the Capitol 
being open so the public can be in those meetings is very important. What are your thoughts on this year with this new variant coming out with the coronavirus, if the Capitol will remain accessible to the public or do you think there's a chance of it being shut down again? I think it has to remain accessible to the public. I've never voted in favor of shutting it down. Um, you talked about a primary objective this year, and that is a fiscal plan, but there are a lot of other things that we need to be kicking around. And, you know, the, I, I keep talking about my vision for setting this economy on fire. Once we settle the fiscal plan issue, Alaska will be on fire, like it is in the lower 48 right now. You think about the cash that's been flowing around because of CARES and ARPA and things like that. Um, I'd like to see a lot more cranes and a lot more opportunity on our horizon. So that's the number one thing, but we need to work on medical freedom. We need to work on accessibility. I don't mind reasonable, obviously, none of us mind reasonable precautions when numbers are high, but shutting the public out of a place that's already um, in a remote location for most Alaskans is unacceptable. And I will tell you that it affected the outcome without having Alaskans in the building telling us how they feel, putting pressure on different legislators for um, getting something done, getting this fiscal plan across the finish line. Um, I, I think the, the end result was not nearly as effective as it should have been. So I'm going to support it being open. Um, if the numbers in ledge council, if you saw the last vote, I, um, made it, uh, um, voluntary for testing. Well, it's, uh, at least there are records kept, if you will, it's the honor system. Uh, I'm trying my best to reduce those impacts, let people decide how they want to protect themselves and, uh, um, business as usual is, is what's needed in the capital. Nice. I think. I can resonate with that. I think that, you know, uh, just for myself, for example, I, um, I get uh, frustrated when people talk about mandates, you know, if somebody wants to wear a mask, great. If they don't want to wear a mask, great. If they want to get a vaccine, awesome. My parents got the vaccine. If they don't want to get a vaccine, that's great. And I think the, the, the rub in the road, at least for our listeners and our folks are, um, when they're told they can or can't or have to do something. So I, I think that uh, uh, an approach of we're open for business, you can come in if you want. If you want to wear a mask, great. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Um, I think that uh, I can resonate with that approach. So I appreciate that. Um, you know, one of the things that's uh, going to be on uh, the docket is a supplemental budget that the governor has, the per diem and the permanent fund looped together. What are your thoughts on that? Can we afford both? So things look significantly better this year. Um, we can afford both. Per diem is just a reality. And, and I've always been on the lower end. This year's a little tougher being a presiding officer, but still not at the top. Uh, but I've always been at the lower end. I've always had a rule that I can only spend half my office account. I, I try to keep spending down. But the reality is this. I, for folks that have to maintain, maintain two households, Juno's expensive. When you see per diem go up, you see rents go up. Someone seems to alert the folks that <laughs> rents housing to people in Juno. I mean, there's so if someone's making money on per diem, they're they're uh, they're playing it better than I am. It covers my expenses. My rent is expenses expensive. I move a family twice a year. Um, 
and that's fine. But for those that uh, abuse per diem, um, they're not in Juno and they're claiming excessively, I think uh, that's up to their voters to recognize and judge accordingly. But the government is going to fund per diem. That's just a, a part of doing business in Juno. As long as the capital's in Juno, and I would like for it to be more accessible. Um, it's not right now. Um, people need to be paid for their costs. I have some members on, in our very conservative group that um, would not be able to serve if it weren't for that. Yeah. They have families and family expenses and school expenses and things like that. And, and uh, when things are held up, it really puts a lot of um, stress on those families. And unless you want a bunch of just wealthy people that can afford to live down in Juneau and not worry about the cost of having two households serving, if that were to happen, you would have a, a one-sided outlook on every policy issue that crossed the line, right? So in order to have the balance, you have to compensate people for their costs. When they abuse per diem, they should be held accountable. Yeah. Well, uh, that brings us to a, a topic about uh, big money, you know, the Federal CARES Act. They, the federal government dumped a lot of money, tons, you know, billions and billions of dollars into these states where one of the states that got a significant amount of money. Um, in your view or your opinion, does this equivalent to, you know, bigger government or, or are we going to continue to try to get the money into the hands of the folks that need it the most? There's no question that this equates to bigger government. There's, there's no question that it, it increases the effects of that thief in the night called inflation. I mean, we have dumped billion, we have dumped trillions on the streets and um in uh congress's rush to get money on the streets um i'm not sure the programs were well thought out on how that affects someone who was um very heavily negatively impacted by covid versus the typical guy on the street right i mean i gotta tell you some checks showed up for my family um that I think could have gone to better use. Um, I think it should have been more uh, directed toward um, helping business to recover, helping businesses to uh, survive when local governments had um, created some of these mandates that shut them down. I mean, we had 70, 80 year old restaurants in Anchorage that have been through several recessions that um, have survived those and failed COVID. Um, yeah, they, they even they even survived the '64 earthquake, but uh, didn't didn't make it through COVID. Absolutely. Right. So that tells you that there could have been more thought put into how that money was distributed. On the infrastructure bill, uh, the jury's still out on what that's going to look like for Alaska. We definitely have needs. How do you balance the needs that came through CARES, ARPA, and and the infrastructure bill? with what our great grandchildren are going to be paying for those needs, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we seem to have some reins on uh, the national federal deficit for years. And then suddenly, you know, six trillion went away in no time whatsoever. Um, we just added 1.75 that's likely over two more. Someone's gonna pay for that. And it's gonna start with us and it's gonna move on to our kids and then grandkids. So I. I'm always for a better balance that based that's based on need. 
And the need I always want to cover first is the need that is caused by the actions of government, right? I'm a conservative Republican. I don't want to hand out cash. I want people to earn their keep when they can. And when they can't, we're happy to help people uh, make it that don't have a way to make it on their own. But handing out cash that's not based on um, some sort of direct effect from government, in my view, is irresponsibly spent. And we don't know where that money goes. And it's laced with um, improper distribution, often going to the wealthiest, often going to people that always survive in business that do very well. So, I, uh, you know, if you, if you cut all of the packages into a third and you carefully distributed that money, you might have had the same effect. So I'm worried about the future impact on our federal costs. And that always trickles down to us. You know what people are paying for vehicles and what people are paying for rent. Everything is affected when inflation is unprecedented on the increase. That's going to come back and nip us in the butt sooner or later. Already has. Um, so we got a, we got a, the governor had a bond package last year that basically went nowhere. Um, you know, it could be used for things like here in, on the Kenai Peninsula, stabilizing the Kenai Bluff, stirring highway extension, sewer docks. Is that something that you'd be in favor of? And do you think it has a chance in heck of passing through the legislature so the people can vote on it? So, John, you know me pretty well. You know, I'm kind of a Dave Ramsey guy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I don't believe in debt whenever debt can be avoided. Um, we need to look at what's in the infrastructure bill and see if that covers us adequately. What I didn't support about the bond package last year or is because most of those projects are already covered with a heavy federal match. That's not extra CARES ARPA infrastructure dollars. That's annual dollar stuff. So there were airports in there. That's a 95 and 5. There are a lot of road projects in there. That's a 90-10 match from the feds. And in my view, um, if the federal dollar is going for that specific uh, purpose on an annual basis, I'm not going to bond for it. I'm not going to support additional debt for Alaska for money that's available anyway. That's going out to every state. And often we can say, we're not going to take that money. Alaskans are really responsible. We don't want to have that bill in the future. Well, I can guarantee you the other 49 states will split up what you don't use. So. We have real needs. That's where our federal tax dollars go. You and I pay our federal tax dollars. They go to DC. They send some back in FHA and, and um, airport dollars. So it depends on the bond package. If it's specifically designed to move Alaska forward in places we haven't moved in a generation, right? We've not added any significant mining opportunity. We've not added any access to you know, our incredible natural resources where Alaska makes its money, thank God. Um, I'm not sure that I would be supportive. If it's for a typical infrastructure improvement that is already covered by annual or the infrastructure bill, it's gonna to be tough for me to wanna to bond it. I think we can likely fit those projects into the money that's available through the program without offsetting the annual spend and making it look like we're reducing the budget by using one-time federal dollars to pay for those costs. So it's yet to be seen. I'm one legislator. I'm sorry. So I got a question for you, yeah. uh, Senator. Um, you know, uh, on the Cooper Landing bypass, 
I was just wondering where that's at. I know that um, every time I drive down to Kenai, it looks pretty exciting to see it come along. I mean, I was really excited to see that Pioneer Road get, get cut through there. Um, I know it's winter time, of course, but uh, is that on track for this coming summer to keep moving? I know that they don't really plan to have it done until like 2026, 2027, but how's that going, do you think? I think there's a delay uh, on one of the providers. Um, is that the Kiwit problem that, that you're referring to? Yes. And yeah. I, I, I'm hesitant to, I'm still trying to find out the exact details of what's going on there to- no, I'd love to know make sure that there's some fairness for the contractor and that everything's above board. Um, I have no doubt that it is, but I'd like somebody to sort of prove that to me, if you will. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah, because, but, you know, Kiwit, Kiwit's like a heck of a good company. It's got such yeah. a storied reputation. They've done a lot of good work in the state, so it's just a little surprising, but yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah something there's like more to learn. learn. So on track, that's a relative term on a project that started with an EIS when I would still had, uh, my voice was still cracking with puberty. Uh -huh. um, I'm 59, so I, I hope it's on track, but it may be delayed by um, as, as much as a year as they straighten out the contract issues. And I, if, if I have more to share on that, Suzanne, I, I certainly will do that. Yeah, well, maybe I'll talk to you later and do a story about that. Sure. So, uh, Senator, what are your thoughts on our economy? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you have high hopes for it? You know, we have, you know, here on the Kenai Peninsula, we have potential projects like um, Agrium, who I think is now called Nutrium, you know, potentially starting back up again. I'm sure there's others around the state, but uh, for a lot of years, we've kind of just been waiting and waiting for that next project. Do you, do you see some hope on the horizon for the Alaska economy? I have nothing but hope for the Alaska economy. What's key is that we stop squabbling about um, the permanent fund dividend and solve that issue to the satisfaction of Alaskans and move on. Because as Alaskans, the way that we have banked uh, $84 billion, it's because we're miners, loggers, fishermen, oilmen, we are a resource development state. We have nothing but opportunity. And I don't care what the Biden administration thinks about America producing for the world, but America will produce for the world. We do it better than anywhere else. And we are getting in our own way. We could line this state with jobs, good jobs, get people off of Medicaid and from depending on the state, get them uh, out of an unhealthy lifestyle that are causing us to be number one on, you know, all the social issues that we have. You know what makes social issues go away? A job. There's no question about that. And we're in our own way. We're squabbling about nonsense. We're a state sitting <laughs> with $84 billion in the bank. We can afford to pay uh, a fair PFD, a 50-50 PFD and unleash the enormous potential of this infant state that has been stymied for years. We need to get people together to get excited about where Alaska's going. And I'm always hopeful about that. I'm always excited about that. There's no doubt in my mind that we can get the right people together that have a vision for where this state's going and we can make it happen. And we have to make it happen. So, if you've traveled outside recently and you see the cranes on every horizon and you know things are booming, 
One of the reasons why people are afraid to invest in Alaska is we haven't solved our fiscal problems. They don't know that they're not next, that they create this great business plan based on some tax structure that they think they understand. And then we get weak and decide to tax the heck out of everybody out there that's making a living. Then suddenly they, their business plan doesn't work anymore. That margin moves to the negative. So we need to solve it, lay out the rules and start opening this state to business. I've been here a long time and I'll tell you, we have not seen an extremely exciting opportunity in a long time. The North Slope looks exciting. We need to continue to fight back on this federal administration that has some bizarre idea of where energy is going to come from in the next generation and let them know it can come from right here. Most responsible development on the planet. And I've been all over the world in oil and gas. We do it best here. We can supply this nation with fuel, provide the independence, and provide an extremely bright future for Alaskans. Well, guys, this has been a really great conversation. It could go on. We could go on for another half hour, but our show is just about up here. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Senator Machiki, he's the Senate president for the, uh, the Alaska Senate. I really appreciate hearing all of your perspectives and you're absolutely right about our just nothing but up for us here in Alaska if we can just get the the uh, the boot of the federal government off of our necks and um, and get going again at some point they're going to turn to Alaska I think and say they've got the resources do we really want to get do we really want to get our rare earth minerals from China do we really want to have the, the Chinese absolutely dominate that sector do we really want to get our oil from overseas? I mean, things will turn our way and, uh, and, and we will be producing again. It may be before uh, the end of my lifetime, even I hope that we can get this thing turned around. And thank you for your leadership. And I want to wish you a very happy, happy New Year. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners before we, um, we sign off today? No, just thank you, John and Suzanne. I, this is my first time on this show and I'm thrilled to be here. Just uh Hang in there with our group. We've got a very diverse group. We're working hard to uh, understand where people can help us get a fiscal plan across the finish line that Alaskans support. And I have a very hopeful outlook for this session. Very, very good. Awesome. Well, that's it for today, folks. We're onward to 20, uh, 2022. We're going to have a really great year this year. We're going to start uh, doing our podcast on Facebook Live as well as on Spotify and all the other platforms, uh, iTunes, the platforms that we use. Really appreciate everybody listening today. If you're uh, in the mood of helping Must Read Alaska stay going, there is a donate button right on the right-hand side of the page. Really appreciate everybody who contributed last year to get the, the strong foundation so that when Must Read Alaska launches this year, we are in really good shape to make it through what's going to be a monumental year election-wise, uh, political-wise, as, as the senator was referring to, getting the fiscal plan established for the, the state, getting these arguments uh, solved and behind us so that we aren't always fighting over the permanent fund. And I really appreciate everybody who have, um, supports us both financially and all the wonderful notes that you sent. Until next week, everybody, we're signing off somewhere in the last week.